Welcome to A Minute for Mom, a podcast providing practical advice for solving real problems for new parents. No, I don't. Okay. Okay. Hey everyone, it's Allison here from A Minute for Mom with Allie and Roe. And today we have uh, an awesome guest, uh, Melanie Stevens Sutherland, uh, who is a physiotherapist. And uh, more specifically for us today, uh, she's a pelvic floor physiotherapist. Uh, so if you don't know what that is, you guys are, are in for a treat. It's going to be a great show. Um, so I'm just going to quickly go through Melanie's bio, um, and then we're going to dive right into questions, because uh, we have a lot of them. So. Melanie, uh, she is, as I mentioned, she's a physiotherapist. Um, She's also the clinic director of RPM Physiotherapy. She's a graduate of McMaster University and brings 15 years of experience. Uh, She's enjoyed a long tenure working with active populations at prestigious sports medicine clinics. Some past clients of hers include professional, national, and Olympic level athletes. And most recently, Melanie has become certified in pelvic floor physiotherapy. Yay! (laughs) And she splits her time between those two specialties. Uh, So she's passionate about preventing injury and illness through a healthy lifestyle. She is also a fellow of the Canadian Academy of Manipulative Therapy, and she's qualified to perform spinal and peripheral manipulation. Uh, She also has uh, a little baby who you might hear (laughs) on this call, so uh, that's exciting too. She's a mom of two. Um, She's also a professional associate to the School of Rehabilitation Science at McMaster and a clinic uh, supervisor to the Department of Physical Therapy at the University of Toronto. So Melanie is also a rehab Pilates instructor and is certified to teach group uh, TRX classes. And her treatments uh, include not only manual therapy, but also a strong exercise prescription component to prevent further injury. Amazing. Welcome, Melanie. Welcome. <laughs> that is impressive. I am, I'm really excited to have you on. And uh, yeah, so I thought that, uh, basically um, a good way to start is just, um, you know, I've gone over your professional background, but if you wanted to share... Uh, a little bit more about yourself and also um, more specifically how you got into the field of physiotherapy and uh, why you made that shift maybe to add pelvic floor to, to your practice. Sure. Um, so as Allison mentioned, I am uh, a mom of two. That's sort of what has become the biggest shift in in my professional life. Um, I, I've been a physio for 15 years now. really have loved working with athletes and active populations. Um, but when I had my daughter almost four years ago, um, I, I really became in tune with sort of what was going on from the mom's perspective of things. And, you know, I'd worked with all these really healthy, amazing people before, um, but when I got through my own pregnancy, I really felt like when I hit the six-week mark, a lot of things that, um, you know, I, I'd been really well-read leading up to that, but I felt like I hit the six-week mark and all of a sudden it became this great big void for moms. Like, what do you do? What's left out there for you? All the attention went to baby and I kind of remembered at six weeks that I am a physio and a lot of the things that I'd done through my work with more active populations could absolutely be applied. So for the last couple of years, I've been doing a lot of work postnatally, um, but there was always kind of this void. And I guess the funny part is, if you had ever asked me five years ago if I would be a pelvic health physio, I would have looked at you like you were crazy. <laughs> I 
percent better. And it was really right. irking me that we weren't getting that hundred percent. And I think the other thing that was happening is my phone was ringing off the hook with people saying, "Do you do public floor? Do you do public floor?" And the businesswoman in me was getting <laughs> irritated that I had to keep passing them on to everybody else. So I, I kind of figured between those two things that there must be something there. So I decided to bite the bullet, go get my certification, um, and I have to say it has been. Um, I have to say it's been um, it's been really it's been fantastic Um, it's a powerful thing and you know I've learned that it's really standard of care pretty much all of Europe um, a lot of other countries and we're kind of new to the game in Canada Um, but yeah it's been a really powerful tool and I think because I've seen that change that's made a big shift in the business right well that's wonderful I you know what I think People have a hard time wrapping their head around it because it's um, internal. But when you think about it, I mean, what's the pelvic floor? It's muscles, right? So it, it makes sense that as a physiotherapist, um, you know, you would be able to work with kind of all muscle groups, including the ones that are kind of more internal. And I mean, the clients aren't alone in that trepidation of the internal. To become certified, I, I spent five days having internals done on me. Um, wow. so I understand the nervousness and the anxiety around it, um, but having done that, I also understand that it's a really powerful tool, and I, what really struck me is when I had my first internal, and one of the best public floor physios in Ontario did my internal as part of a study she was running, and she was like, contract your pelvic floor, and I'm like, I am, I'm a physio, I've been teaching this for years, I've been <laughs> contracting my pelvic floor, she's like, uh, actually, you can barely get a like a flicker of a muscle contraction um so I was like no um, so it, it really brought to light to me that although the the internal is maybe a little bit uncomfortable for people um uncomfortable in the sense that it's it's not uncomfortable physically but maybe a little bit out of their comfort zone um we really don't have a great way of assessing pelvic floor except for internal and that's what the research is supporting as well yeah, and so I guess on that point, um, maybe for people who aren't familiar with um, pelvic floor physiotherapy, what 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 does an appointment entail? Like, what you know, what would you do? Like, absolutely. So I think one point that I'd probably like to clarify is we book an hour long assessment. We don't spend an hour doing your. <laughs> a few clients have brought to my attention has been a little bit anxiety provoking when they booked their appointment. Um, <laughs> we do really good history. Um, we talk a lot about the issues people are facing because a lot of people come to us with a particular concern, but when we look at their history in terms of um, their labor and delivery experience, uh, potentially their nutrition, their hydration, um, their behaviors, there's a lot of stuff that can be contributing to this. So we do spend a really long time intensely delving into that history to pick out the little pieces that could be um, affecting it. It's not only something physical, often it's something behavioral and something that we've trained ourselves um, and got ourselves into some some complications that way. Um, We do the internal. Um, I I do let everybody know and we ask consent first. So we don't do anything that makes people uncomfortable, but we do both a vaginal internal and a rectal internal. And I know people get really squeamish when I say that we do a rectal internal, but the reason we do that is 
a good proportion, if not more than half of the muscles of the pelvic floor, actually attach to your tailbone, which is not accessible to us through the vaginal internal. Um, so if you really want a good picture of if your pelvic floor is firing, that rectal becomes important. Um, the other thing is we can only assess the posterior or the back portion of the vaginal wall by doing a, an internal. Um, and the other thing is constipation is a huge issue in terms of incontinence, uh, bladder incontinence. Mm. And we found in a lot of clients, if you don't address those things, those pelvic floor issues don't get better. So we do do both the vaginal and the rectal. Um, and then clients always get a bit of treatment as part of that, um, whether it's decreasing tone or perhaps really teaching you how to start to use those muscles. There's always treatment. And then we follow that up, usually with some homework. Often you go home and you do something like bladder diary, maybe a fiber diary, so you get a better sense of things. Um, and you go home with either some, some meditation or some breathing exercises or some exercises geared at starting to activate that pelvic floor. Oh, that's wonderful. <laughs> Um, so I've pretty much told anyone uh, who is pregnant or who has had a baby to go see a pelvic floor physio. Um, but is that is that correct? Like, who would you say needs to see um, needs to see you? Um, I would say absolutely the pre and postnatal population for sure. Because okay. um, prenatal, you know, they tell us to do our Kegels, but what we're learning is most of us don't even know how to do a Kegel. Right. <laughs> A strong pelvic floor can significantly reduce discomfort in labor and delivery. It can give you more stamina, more endurance. Um, I think prenatal is amazing. Uh, postnatal, for sure. Like, hands down, everybody who's had a baby should see a pelvic floor. Uh, but it's not just restricted to those who have had kids. Um, any type of sexual dysfunction is appropriate. People who have pain during intercourse. Um, that is a totally appropriate reason to see a physio. Any type of continence, it doesn't have to be related to having kids, and that can be um, urinary incontinence or it can be fecal incontinence. Um, there's also some great studies coming out showing that a weak pelvic floor is a stronger predictor of chronic low back pain than a sedentary lifestyle or being obese. So now we're encouraging a lot of our low back pain clients to come see it because it, it makes sense, right? If a great proportion of your core is not firing or working, you're at a huge amount of risk for low back. So I do think that pelvic floor has very strongly associated itself with the, the pregnancy and postnatal population. Um, but I do want to emphasize that that is not the sole group that we see. Um, and, and if you have doubt, I would say contact your pelvic floor physiotherapist or ask your current physiotherapist if they think that it's um, a modality that could be of use to you, for sure. Okay. Awesome. Yes. So, so I, I think we talked about um, some of the symptoms in what you've just said, uh, Melanie, but the other question that we had was what is diastasis uh, recti? I don't know if I said that right. And how is that connected to the pelvic floor? superficial abdominal muscles during pregnancy or at least it's often referred to as being related to pregnancy but it can also be associated um, we've seen some weightlifters who have um, diastasis of people oh, wow. who generate a lot of intra-abdominal pressure can actually get that splitting wow. so your abs and I think I should clarify that the tissue that is split during diastasis is not actually your muscle tissue okay. it's a line of connective tissue that runs down the middle of those abdominals so especially when we get to third trimester and baby's occupying a lot of space, 
um, and those muscles have to stretch out, it's often that connective tissue that fails mm. and creates a split. The research on diastasis is not great. Um, so there's a lot of conflicting messaging out there right now. Um, but one of the things that is coming out in the messaging um, or in the research is that almost 100% of women with um, who have gone through childbearing have some sort of split. Wow. And it used to be that we were really concerned about the size of the split. And, and we are to some degree still because, you know, some women have a finger width of the split. Others, you know, literally can put a full fist in, in that split. But what's more important is the tone of the muscles underneath and whether they support you functionally. So when we think of it in terms of that, those muscles are your core muscles. And your core is made up of your deep abdominals, uh, your back extensors, your diaphragm, and your pelvic floor. Mm. And they all have to work dynamically to really support your spine. So if your abs aren't firing and they're not functional and this diastasis is there creating less stability through the spine and the abdomen, it becomes even more pronounced um, if your pelvic floor is weak too. Mm. Um, the, the four grouping of muscles really have to work in conjunction and really has to be strong. Breath is a huge component of that with your, your diaphragm. So if you have diastasis, it's even more important that that pelvic floor is strong um, to prevent low back pain, uh, to prevent instability through that area. Um, so there is a pretty strong correlation between the two. Increasing your pelvic floor strength is not going to correct um, your diastasis. It's not going to change that split. Mm. But what it will do is it will help improve the overall muscle tone and function so that if that split continues to exist, and we know in some women that that just doesn't close up. Right. Um, but it will leave you more supported and more functional for sure. Got it. Okay. okay, so are there... So oh. oh, sorry. No, go ahead, Allison. I was going to say, so aesthetically, it might not close, but at least you won't have issues with kind of function and things like that, it sounds like, with the diastasis. Yeah, and you know, aesthetically, when we test somebody for diastasis, um, people are concerned about the split, but what we're more concerned about is the doming. So what that means, if you have a big split and your muscles aren't toned underneath, you'll see almost like a triangular dome extend from underneath that split. Hmm. If your muscles are in good tone, that doming decreases. So aesthetically, I think if you have good muscle tone, um, you probably won't notice the aesthetic. And I know women who say, you know, eight months, a year later, two years later, I, by the end of the day, it still looks like I'm six months pregnant. Right. But really, there's a decrease in that muscle tone in that population. Okay. Got it. Yeah. So what I was going to ask are, are there, I mean, it'll be hard to describe over audio, I know, but are there exercises that we should all be doing? Are there things that you can tell us that we should be doing um, to either prevent or to manage these issues? Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. I, I think the first thing is to get properly assessed mm -hmm. because I think, you know, interestingly enough, some women are have more tone and that's more of an issue than the weakness yeah so in most women we often hold back on prescribing some exercise because um it's actually more important for us to decrease that tone right and that's really important in the pregnant population right if you have a ton of tone and you're trying to get a baby out and your muscles are fighting you on now we want to teach more relaxation um uh -huh. so deep breathing is always fantastic deep breathing is never going to hurt in either situation and in fact, if you're strengthening your pelvic floor, working on diaphragmatic breath is going to help coordinate strong contractions there. So 
absolutely the um, deep breathing, but once you're assessed and you know whether you're weak or if you have a lot of tone, then you can determine what you can be working yes. on. So I would say the next thing is, if you're somebody who's got a weak core um, or a weak pelvic floor, learning how to do that Kegel properly, and Kegel might even be the wrong word, but learning how to even contract that pelvic floor. And one of the things we talk about is not just a contraction, but a lift. Yeah. So without holding your breath, imagining doing a pelvic floor contraction, which is often like pulling something in. People talk about pulling a blueberry yeah. in or a golf ball in, and not just pulling it in, but sort of raising it, thinking of it going up towards the belly button. I've heard the analogy of, of an elevator being used, you know, taking that pelvic floor and imagining you're pulling an elevator up towards the belly button. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I actually had some pelvic floor physio, and I was surprised um happily surprised at the variety of exercises that I was given to do there's lots of different things that you can do yeah sure for sure but I think the the first step is determining what your issue is because just to say that you have pelvic floor dysfunction Mm -hmm. it's not a catchphrase it's not an umbrella one exercise doesn't fit all for sure yeah so it's important for us to learn what your particular situation is so we can advise properly Mm -hmm. that makes sense I think that's so important because I think a lot of times people are like, oh, well, I'm doing my, my Kegels or I'm doing whatever. But like you said, that actually might be, um, you know, counter counterproductive if, if you're too tight or, you know, other issues going on. So um, getting assessed is, is super important. Um, the other thing kind of t- to touch upon that, what exercises we should we be doing, I wanted to um, kind of, uh, if you have any uh, exercises that you definitely women should not be doing until they're assessed um anything that uh yeah i mean i i think if you have concerns that you've got pelvic floor issues if you're concerned that you potentially have a prolapse um if you think that you might have diastasis i think you want to stay away from anything that generates a huge amount of um intra-abdominal pressure um so heavy heavy weights might be one of them um and I'm somebody I exercise through my whole pregnancy and I'm a big advocate for exercise during pregnancy um but it is important to know what you should dial back from um anything with um I would say like a lot of propulsion or plyometrics until you've been assessed and you know that your pelvis can support that um if you think that you've got uh diastasis the big one is a lot of the abdominal exercises that people do regularly so for example crunches or anything sort of a, a head coming towards the abdomen mm. is not a great idea even something like a plank because if you think about it with a plank all that gravity um all that gravity all the weight of all your internal organs is sitting on where that diastasis would exist yeah and <laughs> is the first thing that most women do when they say like i want to get back in shape i guarantee you 50 percent of my clients say well I've, I've just been taking it life like i've been doing some playing so <laughs> you know, um, Especially if you have a diastasis and you have this kind of extra tummy, it kind of looks like, I think that's what women think to do. They're like, do some planks, do some crunches, you know, get my tummy back. But really, it's like kind of that deeper work, you know, has to start first um, before doing. And and some of those activities may never be appropriate, but um, definitely getting assessed is um, yeah, that's what we kind of want to get out there. And I, you know, it's relatively new. Um, so I think a lot of women are still don't know about pelvic floor physio. So that's why we really wanted, um, to have you on because it's so important. 
physio exam at six weeks. Wow. It's just, it's part of their standard of care. Um, in Britain, a, surgeons will not do um, any type of abdominal surgery until a conservative course of pelvic floor physiotherapy has been done first. Hmm. So it, it really is novel to us, and, and it's really something we need to normalize because the evidence is there to show its positive effect. And um, to your point, Allison, like I think uh, we're so driven by image over here that like there's this big push to lose baby weight, get back into it. And so what women end up doing to do those things, not only is it maybe potentially not safe, but it's also counterproductive in the sense that if you get out there and you push really hard and you start lifting weights heavy and doing a whole ton of crunches, you think you're getting back to pre-pregnancy shape when really you're making your situation worse. Um, I think seeing somebody um, learning how to start gently, even with some deep breathing, how to access those muscles, because it's, it's not intuitive. Most of us do not know how to actually start those muscles. That's no, a really it. <laughs> and, um, just being kind to yourself and taking it slowly can have a much better impact on you getting back into that pre-pregnancy shape than running out there and being really gung-ho to, to push really hard. Mm-hmm. Yes. I love that. I love because I think, you know, well, especially at that, speaking specifically to postpartum, at that six week mark, you're kind of giving clearance, but at least in my experience, uh, no doctor was checking to make sure how my pelvic floor was doing. They're just like, yeah, sure, you seem fine, go exercise. And, uh, and you're kind of like, oh, well, I was given the green light. So, um, you know, and, and I think people are, are eager to do that. But, uh, you know, take a step back and, and really when you focus on if you want to kind of get back to, to what you the activities you were doing before, you really need to kind of take it slow and be um, – be really careful about it because things have changed and, and shifted around. And, and you know, I, I can say honestly from a lot of my clients, um, they all come back from their six week appointment, and like sometimes the doctor hasn't even physically looked at them, they've just oh. had a conversation. Yep. Right. I, I wasn't physically examined. They were like, Oh, you, you feel good? I was like, I guess. Yeah, being a child is like major trauma, right? Like. And most of us are still healing at the six-week mark, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, that's wonderful. Thank you so much. This is this is wonderful. Made more wonderful by the fact that we can see um, see your little one. Yeah. <laughs> Who is adorable. Yeah, thank you. Adorable, but maybe not so cooperative. I, I thought we had a time perfectly for a sleep, but so is life, right? Oh, it's- it's always like that, don't worry. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this was fantastic. We'll be able to um, to share all of your contact information and everything um, with our listeners. But uh, once again, uh, if you're in the Toronto area, uh, Melanie uh, works at RPM uh, Physiotherapy, and she is amazing. Um, so, yes, absolutely. We're, we're so so fortunate to have had you and, uh, and your little one. <laughs> well, thank you for the opportunity to chat about it. It's, it's something that I've become really passionate about so even just sharing the message is is really important especially if it just if it gets one more woman assessed and one more woman on the road to healing properly that's awesome so I really thank you guys for letting me be part of your show thanks Melanie just like get a pelvic floor physio exam (laughs) main message (laughs) it should be yeah right buddy perfect bye buddy all right well thanks so much thank you and uh, thanks for listening guys Thank Uh, you. Bye. Bye.